What's up, Internet? You're tuned in episode... Well, I guess it's a very special episode of the Video Game Pals. The Pals Network's weekly video game podcast where four lifelong gamers get together to talk about video games, the news, and how it all makes us feel. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined by my ever-present co-host and antagonist, Mr. Andy Brown, the Garden Variety Doombringer, Mr. Robert Thompson, and the Guildmaster himself, Mr. Sean Bartley. How is your E3 week going, everyone? It, it was fun. I've enjoyed it so far. It happened? <laughs> <laughs> I've... I've... Yeah, with Andy, it happened. Yeah, uh, definitely not the not the most exciting E3, but definitely not the worst that I've ever covered either. Um, but we've got a lot to talk about, so we're going to dive right into it. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, The Video Game Pals is a weekly podcast, so if you missed our regular episode 7, you can go check that out. It posted yesterday. This is our uh, completely just E3 reaction special, so we're going to be going through all the major press conferences. So that means E3, Bethesda, Ubisoft, Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo. Uh, so we've got a lot to talk about, so let's just dive right into it. Um, so starting with EA Play, which was on Saturday... Before we get into like the specifics, though, uh, what did you guys think of the conference? Did you get a chance to watch it? I didn't watch the conference, but I watched the trailers and stuff coming after. Um, Microsoft is the only Microsoft and Nintendo are the only conferences I watched all of. But EA's conference was what we expected, I think, from EA. Uh, a lot of sports games, a lot of Star Wars Battlefront, and a little sizzle trailer for Anthem. But I want to give a shout out to A Way Out, which looks. Awesome. Yeah, it does. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get into the, the nitty gritty. Yeah. Um, so uh, any other like service level stuff before we dive in? I feel like we saw very E3 or EA stuff. Nothing, nothing groundbreaking. Anthem has the potential to be. But other than that, I. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Um, and in terms of the actual conference itself, it was definitely the worst one, which is pretty much par for the course for EA. Um, it was boring very buttoned up very <laughs> a lot of the presenters were very very weak um they called in like a ton of like youtubers and like influencers and stuff to try to like make themselves more like hip and with it and stuff and it was way worse because they were not was good it, at presenting was just cringy? like very cringy yeah very cringy and just like a lot of these people were just outside of their comfort zone and they weren't they didn't know what they were doing and like it's it's just as much like it's EA's fault for putting them in that position as much as it is for them not being up to the task, you know? Um, but it made for a very awkward show. Um, well, the Chicago bot wasn't there, so that's probably already a plus. Yeah, I mean, like, the last years was so forgettable. I don't even remember if this one was better than it, but it's. I remember leaving it with a very similar feeling of just like, well, that was, uh, that was a way I spent an hour and a half of my time. Um... But yeah, so we'll, we'll get into the actual announcements here. Um, so after their standard hype trailer and like a, jum, a drum line coming out in like full Patriots jerseys with a terrible sound mix. So we, we got Madden 18 long shot, which is basically like, seems like they're doing the same thing they did with FIFA last year and making like Tony Hawk's Madden underground. Um, so like a full story mode, all that kind of stuff. Cool if you're into Madden. Then we had CEO Andrew Wilson come out and talk for like way too long, which is like, it's always fun to hear the big dogs talk, but like, we got like fucking like 12 or 13 minutes into this conference before we actually saw anything. Um, and we got some stuff from Battlefield 1. Uh, had a bunch of YouTubers on to talk about it. Like I mentioned, uh, there's going to be some night maps that debut this summer. Uh, Name of the Czar expansion, which is going to uh, include the Eastern Front of the War. Uh, ultimately adding eight new maps, the Russian Army, new vehicles, 
uh, Russian cavalry, all that kind of stuff. They're promising deeper player progression, um, new assignments, new specializations, new multi-battle experiences. So, um, I mean, this is cool content, but it was definitely not uh, not exciting, really. It's like, I, I'm pretty sure I'm the only one who really spends any time with Battlefield 1, right? Yeah, I, I don't have so. it, but I always wanted it, so... I mean, it's a great game. Um, this might draw me back in just because new content is always cool. I absolutely love the Eastern Front, so like, I kind of want it now, you know. Even well, I mean, I wanted more, but it, then I beat it before, is what I mean. Yeah, and you played uh, you played the beta, and we're really into it, right? Every minute I could, I played the beta. Yeah, and then I was very sad when it stopped. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe this is a good reason for people to go back. I feel like that game has a really healthy player base still, even though I kind of fell out of it. So. Um... Yeah, definitely something to look forward to if you're a fan of Battlefield 1 or maybe you're looking for uh, an excuse to get into it. Um, so then we heard about some esports stuff for FIFA, some FIFA DLC. Uh, we got Need for Speed Payback, which was uh, the new Need for Speed game. We had another YouTuber who was like, it was really, really bad. Like, dude got all lost in his sentences. It was not, not good. Um, but the game's got a new narrative. It has three different characters. They go on a mission where they need to like chase a truck and steal a car. Um, it looks like cool. You know, it looks like it's like, you know, Fast and the Furious shit. It's a pretty game, but I, you know, I just don't really care about car games. So uh, if that's a thing that you're interested in, you know, you definitely go chase down more of that if you want. Um, but then, so here's the first game I was actually excited to talk about 32 minutes into the conference. Um, <laughs> Which is, Andy mentioned at the top, A Way Out. So that is, uh, it's this new indie game, uh, made from the creator of Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, uh, Joseph Farris, uh, and his new team called Hazelight, which is made up of some of the people that worked on Brothers. Um, it's, they're teaming up with EA Originals, which is, uh, EA's, like, indie, um, initiative or whatever, I guess. And, uh, it's this really awesome looking story driven co op adventure about these two guys who need to escape jail and, like, avoid the cops and stuff. Um, it looks really stylish, uh, really high quality for, you know, what is purported to be an indie game. Um, but like, yeah, we see like the one guy like, seems like he's trying to get revenge. One guy's trying to get home to his newborn daughter. Um, and, uh, both of the characters have like totally different personalities and their own story. And, uh, you are like intended to play the game co-op with a friend, like in split screen mode. And both of you control one character who has their own like pace for the narrative. So, like, while one guy's in a cutscene, the other guy might be doing something. And, you know, you both need to act towards the same goal during a mission, but you'll both split off and do totally different objectives and stuff before you, like, meet up again. Um, it's really, really interesting. It looks, like, super innovative. So, what did you guys think of this? I thought it looked great. Um, the idea of having to play the whole game in split screen, like, one guy's in a cutscene, one guy's doing a stealth mission or puzzling, looked really cool. Just really excited for it. It was unexpected and just awesome. Yeah, it's like, these are the kind of announcements that I really look for at E3, is that, you know, it's like, it's always cool to hear about games we know about, but the stuff that you had no idea was coming and is, like, totally fresh is always the most exciting thing to see. I, like, fell in love with this game's, like, concept, right? Because I, I think the whole thing is, like, really fucking cool. I've played a ton of games like this before. Uh, not necessarily Prison Breaks, right? But, like, you know, having... Uh, I can't remember the one game I mentioned ages ago. Uh, Indigo Privacy? That developer has a couple other games like that. I I love them. The same idea. Like, there's some scenes where you're playing a character, and it's not co-op, right? It's you're playing a character, and the game will split-screen itself to show you the other characters are doing things while you're doing things. So now, in my mind, I'm like, great, now I can actually have another person control those things, and this, this looks fucking... It's right in my alley. 
it's great. Um, and like you said, Pete, like I, I like really watch E3 stuff just for kind of the little indie titles that I had no idea were coming out. So, or I like, you know, didn't know about anything past, um, you know, just a title even. So Sean, did you get a chance to check this game out? So I did not see this game, but, uh, the way you guys are describing it, it sounds awesome. This is the kind of multiplayer experience that I would love to have with a friend. Uh, Man, while we're talking about it, pull up the trailer for sure. Just just to get a, a look at how it looks. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> this sounds awesome. Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure that it that I'll buy it necessarily, uh, but I do like the, the sound of, of the game. Yeah, it's definitely just... It's just cool because it's so unique. Like, this isn't a thing I've ever really seen before in this specific way, you know? And it looks surprisingly developed. Some of the gameplay stuff they were talking about is it has a lot of elements of, like, exploration. Once you escape from the jail, you're, like, out in the woods and stuff. Um, there's a lot of driving sequences. Looks like there's some gunplay and action. Um, and uh, if if you don't... If you're, you know, if the idea of like playing the game co-op uh, is a turnoff to you, you can play it online, um, like with someone else. But the intention is for you to be playing it uh, together, like uh, in the same room, you know, couch co-op classic style, which um, I think is really cool. You know, this that's is the kind of so game I always cool. wanted as a kid. Yeah, that that's fucking incredible too, because especially that like a developer wants to bring back the couch play stuff. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been ages since I've had anything that really needed that. Yeah, man, and, and speaking of the developer, um, so they actually had uh, Joseph himself come out and uh, and talk about it, and uh, I loved him, man. I, I've never seen him, like, talk before, but he had, like, this amazing energy. He was, like, so hyped to be there, um, and he seems, like, really proud and, like, bullish about this game. You know, he was like, this is a co-op game. This is a direct quote. He says, it's a co-op game, like, never before, and, like, I know, you know, he's, he's like, I know I'm sounding really overconfident here, but I'm just so pumped up because it's going to kick ass. So... Shit, man. I mean, I'm into it. Um, so yeah, the main characters are these two guys named Vincent and Leo. Um, and like, they seem to have this kind of like mutual enemy and, uh, they decide to break out together and then work towards this, you know, this goal or together or whatever. Um, and then again, like just to talk a little bit more about the gameplay itself, uh, one of the missions that they showed was like an early thing where you're, I guess, trying to escape and, um, you need to go get like a, a laundry cart to sneak somebody out in. And there's, like, two different ways you could do it, right? You can either have Leo go and handle it, or you can have Vincent go and handle it. And if Vincent handles it, he goes and he bribes a guy, and, you know, you make something happen. The other guy goes and he beats the, knocks this guard out, and throws him in a closet. And based on which way you handle things and who handles what, that, like, apparently affects the narrative. Um, they said, like, every single scene has, like, a unique goal, so you're not, like, doing the same things over and over again. Um, which, like I said, you see in the diversity of environment, you know, you, they go from the jail to the open woods to like a town setting to inside someone's house. So it's going to be really, really interesting. I think, man, I just watched the trailer and the gameplay trailer and it, I mean, it does look really cool. Uh, I love the fact that it's a prison break. I think that's, that's a really unique setting for a game, especially a game like this. And, um, you know, again, that that couch multiplayer like i grew up with three siblings so that's very that's very rooted in my dna my you know my gaming dna and uh i've been i've been clamoring for them to bring that back for a long time because that's the kind of thing that will get me invested in in sitting down at my console and playing is something to do with my friends or my brother 
or something like that. And so this this is definitely that kind of game. Absolutely. And like you don't really see that with story driven games very often, you know, like you had like Portal 2, which is like really the only other major example I can think of where you actually play through a story and you're encouraged to play with someone. Dead Space 3, but it wasn't as encouraged. That's true, too. No, but it, like, it, it didn't need to be co-op, is what I mean. Like, Portal 2, it's like, you pretty much have to. So, um, so yeah, so I, I think this is this looks really legit, and it's a game you should definitely have an eye out for. I know that we're going to be playing it. Um, it's coming out early 2018, so, you know, keep your eyes oh, yeah. peeled. We'll talk about it as we hear more. Um, so then we got the first cinematic tease for Bioware's new IP, Anthem, but they did, like, a full reveal of that, the Microsoft... Um, conference so we'll talk about that later uh then we saw some stuff from nba live 2018 they got a uh, hands-on demo that you can go check out um in august if that's a thing that you're interested in but again we're not really sports games guys so can i, can um, I comment on that real fast yeah, oh yeah you like nba live uh no i really dislike nba live <laughs> and okay. i just i wanted to say that this game is another game in a in a long line of games that they've made that in which the characters look soulless the mechanics don't look natural. Everything is very slow and it's just poorly paced. The characters' eyes, they look dead. Uh and they, they did. They, yeah. They, <laughs> they, they just about? haven't Yeah, they, they <laughs> just haven't uh they haven't learned from what 2K is doing with their uh basketball games. So I would love to see them step up. EA just they haven't figured it out yet. It's so surprising because EA is such a corner on football and soccer and like it's like it's embarrassing how like 2K is just the game like it's the basketball game and like I don't know like maybe maybe just give up. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Not all the sports Um, can be made perfect I guess. Yeah right like reinvest those resources into something else. Um but yeah, so uh, then they talked a little bit about um, EA Play to Give, which is like this kind of initiative they have towards like um, inclusivity in gaming and like working with charity groups like uh, the government's He for She campaign and like certain anti-bullying groups and stuff. Um, that's interesting for gamers because in honor of this, uh, they're going to be putting out uh, for the next week, you can play a bunch of EA games for free on EA Access, Origin Access, or PS4. So if you want to get a taste of any of EA's big releases from the last year, they're pretty much all on there. So go check it out. Uh, and then they wrapped up the conference with what we all wanted to see, which was a half hour of Star Wars Battlefront 2. Um, which was cool. I'm glad they saved it for an end. Half hour was a lot. We didn't really need exactly that much time, but um, they showed us like a whole match and like what the flow of gameplay looks like. So we have a pretty good idea of what this game is is going to be at this point, which is cool. Um, so it was very self-aware, opened with this very self-aware joke about Battlefront needing a single-player can- t- campaign. Um, they included, like, a, a tweet from John Boyega and then, like, a bunch of stuff from fans all around basically just ribbing them, which was something they had, like, called out once or twice before that in the conference already. Um, they had a bunch of stormtroopers come out to the Imperial March and everything, and then they had the uh, the main character of the game, Commander Eden Versio, I think is her name, uh, her voice actress, Anina uh, Garvanka, Gavankar, I think is how you pronounce it, um, came out and she was like in full, you know, like Empire kind of garb. Um, she like had, she was like kind of in character at first and was like very fierce, but then she ended up having a lot of fun with it and was definitely a good host. Um, they talked about the story, that it's a new, authentic, untold story that delivers new perspectives for the franchise. And just like how Rogue One uh, filled in a gap 
you know, this is going to be filling in a gap between um, Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. So that's pretty interesting. Going to be the first taste we kind of have of that in-between period. Um, except for, I think, some of the comics may have touched on some of that stuff. But, uh, yeah, because yeah, th- there was this, yeah, there was the main Star Wars series did that, right? Uh, there's a comic book called Shattered Empire that actually starts right at the end. of. The okay. Chapter. Okay, that's cool. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, this is uh, going to give us a new chunk of that because it's from the perspective of this Empire commander. Um, they said it's going to be much bigger than Battlefield 1 with uh, upwards of three times as much combat. There's more hero characters, new maps, new vehicles, um, new space battle stuff, uh, content from across all three eras of Star Wars, including the prequels. Um, the split, split screen co-op modes that they had in the first game are going to be making a return as well, so that's cool. Um, they, uh, this was actually the one use I think they had of, like, YouTube personalities that was actually good. They had, like, professional Battlefront players who had been brought in to, like, help develop the multiplayer of the game, and they had them talk about it. Uh, they were saying that the, the shooting, uh, is, like, way more nuanced this time around. There's a way wider skill gap than the original game, um, which was a big problem a lot of competitive players had with it. Uh, there's a new class system that allows you to have different weapons, different stats. So there's like a tank class. There's like a more like roguish kind of class. Um, each one has its own abilities. Uh, during matches, you're going to unlock battle points that you're allowed to spend on things other um, like other heroes. You know that like if you want to play as one of the actual characters, you unlock those points and can spend it to play as them. Uh, you can also unlock like bigger battle droids that you can call into battle and play as. Uh, get crazy vehicles and stuff. Um, so that's pretty cool. Uh, that's like a seems like a pretty major new mechanic. Um, and then they pulled out the first full cinematic trailer of it. Showed a bunch of prequel era visuals. It looks amazing. It sounds great. Which you know anyone who played the first one that shouldn't come as a surprise. Uh, and then, you know, we saw that there's, like, a good mix of kind of, like, epic conflicts from the movies for multiplayer, and then a brand new story for the, you know, for the single-player mode, and not gonna focus on doing that same shit over and over again. Um, and then another really cool thing, respond to a major criticism of the first game, is that, uh, we had John Boyega make a video appearance to announce that there's gonna be themed batches of content for the game, and that all post-game content is gonna be free, and not DLC. That's cool. Yeah, that's huge. Um, so the first one is going to be a um, episode eight theme, and it's going to have Finn and Phasma get released as new characters, as well as a new map. And um, yeah, that's going to be the trend from then on. It's like I guess every couple of months we're going to get a new pack with either new con, you know, new maps, new weapons, new whatever. Uh, and then they said players who pre-order the game will get access to a multiplayer beta. And uh, a free Yoda lightsaber mastery star card, which I have no idea what that is, but I'm assuming that, you know, you unlock some free Yoda content in the game. Um, And then they showed off a full 20v20 multiplayer match uh, with one of the new kind of, like, three-stage battle modes. Uh, The phase one was, like, very open. You saw, like, tanks and planes and shit, everything going all over. We saw, like, a V-Wing. We saw these little mini AT-AT-style, like, chicken mechs that people were riding. Uh, Dogfighting looks really sleek. Um, and then phase two was kind of like inside the palace, more tight, you know, like hallway kind of fighting. By that point, everybody had enough points to start calling in the heroes, which definitely changed the flow of combat. Uh, all the old characters had new abilities that they were showing off. And then the final phase was like this huge, massive blowout in this kind of like palace room where, um, you know, everybody was like kind of, it was the final stand. And that was where you had to kind of wipe everyone out for the final win. Or they, I guess, could push back and, and you know, push them back to the, the previous mode or whatever. Um, 
it felt a lot like Overwatch, you know, with like the control points. Where, you know, you take point one, you move to point two, that kind of thing, which I know it's not, not like new to Overwatch, but um, is probably the most recent example of a game like this. Um, but so did you guys get to watch the multiplayer stuff or did you just check out the trailers? So I watched the multiplayer stuff and I think that Overwatch is a less good comparison than the first Battlefront 2. Okay. Because it brought a lot of that stuff back, the control points, the pushing, the, like, the you get pushed back, you have to make your final stand, and then you, everybody gets eliminated. Uh, I really, really like the idea they have of everything is on, like, a point system now, instead of the, like, random drops they had in the first one, which just felt weird and ended with people camping out, you know, the <laughs> spawns so that they could yeah. get in a plane. And I would absolutely have preferred the way the older games did with um, just, like, actual vehicle spawns. But I feel like this is a good middle ground to reward you for playing the game instead of sitting in a hangar and waiting for a X-Wing to spawn, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's cool that you get points based on things other than just getting kills and stuff, too. So it's not just that the best players will dominate and always get the skills like you can achieve it from like supporting other players or taking objectives and stuff like that so um i think this seems like a really good solution to some of the biggest problems the multiplayer had oh yeah i'm really excited for it and i agree with andy's points because i was a huge fan of battlefront 2 back in the day and uh the the one thing though like you said it spans all three eras so i'm glad i can finally play the cis scum i am which is great. Cause, you know, <laughs> I I love the droid armies. I thought they were fun. I like the only thing about the prequels I really truly liked. And you know, it, it's just going to be fun for me to play that crap again at least. And, and you know, it should look good. I'm so excited for prequel stuff, Thompson. I'm right there with you. Honestly, I know they get like shit on, and I don't really necessarily like the story, but I like the the aesthetic of the the CIS army a lot. And I thought, like, yeah, I thought that was just like something that was really cool to even like you know. Their starfighters were cool. Just they they got like brushed under the rug, obviously, <laughs> but and they lost. So what are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, no, it's really cool to see all that stuff come back because, like, you're right. Like those movies suck, but like Clone Wars is people like that, and like the aesthetic of the ships and the droids and the clones is all cool. So yeah, awesome. More Star Wars to love, right? Yeah, that's how I feel. What What do you think, Sean? So I I bought uh, Battlefront One and hated it. And I, it's one of those purchases that I really regret making. Classic Sean story. I bought this game. <laughs> it wasn't in the wrapper. I hated though. it. It wasn't in the wrapper, <laughs> no. Um, I've wanted to try this game for a long time. I own it. I just haven't opened it yet. Yes. <laughs> I, yeah, I think that's that's more uh, in line with me. I tend not to buy games I don't like. This is one of those instances where I guess I got caught up in the hype. Even though I kind of felt like I wasn't going to like it based on the footage that I'd seen. Uh, but this game, Battlefront 2, definitely looks like a, a big improvement in a lot of ways. And so I'm excited for it. Uh, I was a big player of Battlefront 2 back in the day. So I agree with Andy that it does look like they're bringing back a lot of that core stuff that made that game interesting. I like, you know, I, I like the, the flow of battle, how they've kind of laid it out. Um, and, and I think showing, showcasing a battle on Naboo was a perfect 
um, way to show this game because it's got those choke points. It's got the awesome aesthetic. It's got the, you know, the, the ships that people love from that time period. So I just, I just think that this was awesome. Yeah, I think this was a total slam dunk. You know, uh, this game looks really good and it has a single player, which was like, it's that's huge. a reason right. enough to buy it if it's good. And the people working on this, this single player, um, are, I, I forget, I forget what game they worked on previously, but the pedigree here is, is pretty good. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to this. Um, and yeah, like you, Sean, I had the first game, I got it as like a Christmas gift. So I didn't feel burnt cause I didn't spend money on it. So I enjoyed it for what I got out of it, but I didn't play it for very long. Yeah, I th- but I think this one is, a st- is, I think they listen to a lot of the criticism. Oh, clearly, right? Like, they were even making fun of themselves for it. So, like, you know, I, I really hope that they're going to deliver on this one because I feel like they probably know if, they, if this sucks that they're not going to get a chance for another one. Yeah. <laughs> um, And then they weirdly closed out the show with a plug for Galaxy of Heroes, the Star Wars mobile game, which is a terrible way to close out the show after all that cool Battlefront 2 stuff, but I guess that's what they're doing, so... Good work, EA. Nice. Play a, <laughs> play a half hour of Battlefront and then you know pour, uh, plug the the phone game. So yeah, real smart. Good stuff. Um, yeah. So EA's conference overall not great, but the the stuff we saw that was like worth seeing is definitely interesting. So um, can't complain too much. Um, all right, so let's move on to Bethesda. So. Um, Bethesda's uh, conference was the shortest of the three, only clocked in in about 40 minutes. Um, so well, we're forgetting Devolver left. Digital's 15-minute one. Well, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about that on the on the, the show proper next I week, know. I think. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so um, they had this this uh, shindig of, or this shindig, this like theme of Bethesda land, where it was like they were presenting it as like, it was like, a, you know, kind of like the Fallout animation but like in a disneyland kind of style presenting all the games they had very cute um they opened it up with talking to kids of people that work at bethesda and then it kind of transitioned into talking to some of the developers it was it was very human it was a good a good presentation i think um overall in terms of what they actually had to show for us um i mean what we saw was mostly good but it was also a lot of stuff that we already kind of knew was coming there wasn't a lot that was really exciting to me personally uh, how'd you guys feel about it? Um, it was, I think, not very good. It was short. They, you know, didn't really announce anything exciting, like you said. Uh, the Dishonored DLC looks cool, but Fallout and Doom in VR, uh, the fact that they're adding paid mods to stuff through Bethesda Creation Club rubs me the wrong way. A, a lot of, I think, missteps. What about you, Sean? Any other, like top-level thoughts about this stuff before we dive into it? Just that it seemed uninteresting. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a fair assessment. You know, unless you're, like, a diehard Bethesda fan, a lot of this was kind of... It, it didn't see e, e, it didn't seem E3-worthy. Right. I, I would say I might be, like, a diehard Bethesda fan, and I still felt kind of lackluster from this. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm excited for Wolfenstein, um, and that's... You know, I, well, here, I, yeah. So, yeah. We'll, so let's, we'll dive into <laughs> it. Yeah, we'll get into the we'll get into the nitty gritty now. So um, after uh, Pete Hines came out and kind of you know sung the praises of the stuff that they had put out in the past year, we got a tease of uh, Bethesda's VR initiative and how they're putting out um, Doom VFR, uh, which is like a new. It looks like a new Doom game, not a port. Um, 
And, I mean, that looks pretty cool, I guess. Uh, it looks like these are all playing on Vive, so if they're not coming to PSVR, um, I definitely won't get to try them. Uh, and then Fallout 4 VR, which is just the entire game playable in VR, which, if you're into VR, is cool. Um, you, know, you get your first full-length, uh, you know, open-world game in virtual reality, so that's significant if you're interested in that. Uh, and then we got the Morrowind expansion for Elder Scrolls Online, which is available now. Um, we got, you know, just kind of, uh, another, another little trailer for that. That's not anything new. Um, then Andy brought up, uh, earlier we got uh, the announcement of the Creation Club, which is, um, this new mod program that, uh, that Bethesda is pushing where there's going to be new content ranging from weapons, armor, accessories, new crafting and housing features, and gameplay enhancements for both Fallout 4 and Skyrim. Uh, and there's like a like a shop kind of thing that you can browse and use credits to get uh, this new content. Some of it's going to be made by Bethesda, some of it's made by third-party creators, and then some of it's made by like top-level mod creators in the fan community. Uh, they said it's going to be coming out in summer 2017. Uh, so yeah, let's talk about this. Andy, I, you said that this rubbed you the wrong way. Um, did you get the impression that this is going to be for money? Because I, I, I wasn't I wasn't sure. It's like, I'd have to watch it again, because I watched that one live, and it seemed like they were talking about with the Creation Club, like, you could buy, like, mods and things with coins. They put out a an, an FAQ that I'm scrolling through now for Creation Club. Uh, how do I get Creation Club content? Credits are available for purchase on PSN, Xbox Live, and Steam. Your credits are transferable and can be used in both games on the same platform. Okay, so it is paid it content. Is, it um, is paid content, but they're presenting it more as, like, micro-DLC curated by, like, mod creators and in-house people at Bethesda. I don't necessarily have a problem with that if it's worth the money. I mean, that doesn't sound super different from putting out regular DLC content. But, yeah, I mean, like, I'm with you, though, where, like, it does... Like, if it's premium content from Bethesda, that's one thing. But if they're just picking the best mods from the mod community and making people pay for well, them, that's fucking awful. It's not <laughs> It's not they're picking the best mods, it's they're picking the best modders. Oh, and hiring and, them? And, like... Anybody can submit a proposal. Everything has to be original Creation Club content, so it's not like mods and stuff. Okay. Is well, it like the Steam Greenlight of uh, the mods for these games, basically? I guess. Like, they're just like going to go through and, and approve what they like? It sounds more like Little Big Planet. Were they like when Little Big Planet was taking off, and there was people who were like the top tier creators in Little Big Planet? They went and hired them to be li little uh, level designers for Little Big Planet Three. Hmm. It's kind of like that, but it still feels a little paid modsy to me. In like a different skin. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. I don't know. I, I guess we'll have to see how they actually implement it, but I think I'm inclined to come down on, on your side on this one. Uh, what, what do you think about this, Sean? Any thoughts? Um, I think mods and that kind of content, uh, player-created content, should always be free. And uh, I think this is a little murky. I don't know if we exactly know enough or have clear enough information to judge. But for now, it sounds a little fishy. So I think we really just have to hold off until we know more. 
Yeah, that's for sure. The the one thing that I think is cool about this is like I do really like the idea of modders uh getting recognized for their work and getting paid jobs at Bethesda. Like that's really cool. Um but I hope that it's not through a you know, a shady system. Um, but alright, so moving along. Uh, so then the next thing was Elder Scrolls Legends, which is um, Bethesda's kind of competitor to Hearthstone, set in the universe of the Elder Scrolls. Uh, Thompson's a big fan of this, so I'll, I'll let him talk about it. But uh, we saw new information about uh, a new Chaos Arena, new Dark Brotherhood story content, in-game tournaments, and we got the announcement that the game will be coming to both Android and iPhone next month. Uh, and then there will be another expansion called The Heroes of Skyrim coming uh, in on the 29th. So it's the end of the month. Um, so the fact that it's coming to phones is pretty cool. Yeah, they've they have a on the website they have a list of like what dates they had for releasing on what platform. So I think it hit tablets like last week or two weeks ago. It was very recently that the tablets came out, and the phones are the last part of the market, obviously. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm I'm fucking excited. The expansions are really good. The the first Dark Brotherhood expansion I think was fifteen dollars, and it was like five days of content for me. Uh, nice. And I I had to actually like play a few of the, you know, you can like blow through some like Hearthstone stuff if you've ever played Hearthstone's expansions. Some of the matches are just easy. You know, you just breeze through them, right? Just get the card unlocks, and then you're like, okay, I'm done. Um. You know, this, like, they always, like, even the, the game's, like, inbuilt story is, like, actually, like, fun to, like, play and hear, and it's a it's a tale, you know? It's a nice little story, so even if you're just blowing through the game, you get something out of it from that. But, you know, it, it the cool thing about their expansion, too, is you get all the cards, right? You play the game, you get the expansion, it's like they just give you everything for that, so you're not trying to pull packs of a new set, like an expansion for Magic or something, or even Hearthstone, where they have different cards to pull from different packs. They just have core packs and if you get the expansion you get all of it so that's cool you know you you don't like necessarily have to like pay to win you know for that part to get the cards yeah you got to pay but <laughs> you do get a lot out of it so i'm really excited for all this stuff so thompson you you play hearthstone uh, i used to after this came out actually i played both for a month and then i dropped hearthstone because i like this better okay um so what are the are they very similar games they they are um it's just that elder scrolls legends has a, a tinge of the magic the gathering feel to it rather than hearthstone how it has classes and you're relegated to having cards by class um this is like its color is like magic and you can play whatever there's no class system um it does mm. hint at class systems like if you take strength and endurance you're a warrior it's like oh right that makes sense if you take intellect and willpower it's like you're a mage that, that's the skyrim stats you know so they pulled those archetypes from that but it's basically a, a fusion 50 50 of magic and hearthstone okay i i like the way that you describe the way the uh, expansions work because in hearthstone you're right you can really breeze through those and this sounds way more engaging hearthstone does not have a storyline there's no overarching narrative whereas it sounds like there is one here yeah there so, is yeah i think that's awesome it's surprising me it's like i actually found myself enjoying the story you know I didn't think I would in a stupid card game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, you've been singing this game's praises for so long. Now that it's coming to Android, I, I think I might actually give it a shot. It's on um, Steam now, just... so you can try it there. I, I think I'd I think I'd probably rather play it on my phone, which is not a thing I would normally say, but for, like, a card game or whatever, like, I could definitely see the benefit of, like, I'm sitting at the doctor's office or, you know, like, whatever. I'm, you know, 
whatever, watching reruns or some shit with the girlfriend, like that yeah. might be a fun a fun thing to have on my phone. Um, especially if it's like a good in depth card game. Like that sounds that would be really cool. I, I think it's very in depth. Um and personally to me the best thing about it is the meta isn't so restricted as like magic or hearthstone is there is no cool. like one deck you're gonna see a hundred times over you, i i don't think i've ever encountered like the same deck twice in a in like a week you know nice that's so, great yeah so yeah i mean if you're a fan more to do if you're not go check it out um so next thing up was uh we got a little sizzle for skyrim on nintendo switch um that's a reminder that this is skyrim not skyrim the mastered version or whatever um, but what we did learn, which was pretty cool, was that the game is going to have amiibo support. Uh, the one thing that we saw get used was the, uh, Breath of the Wild Link amiibo, and you could get, like, Link's outfit and the Master Sword, uh, in the world of Skyrim, which is pretty cool. Um, the game's going to support full motion controls, which is, I don't really know why, but, um, like, they showed you using the Joy-Cons, and you could use, like, sword and shield, you know, in one hand kind of thing, block, slice, all that kind of shit. Uh, and then they showed a guy using a bow and you were like using the two to like stretch the thing out and fire, but you were using the like left trigger to fire. It was, it was weird. I don't really think anyone's going to play the game that way, but, um, whatever. Right. So Skyrim on switch, it's coming. Didn't get a final release date for it, which is weird. Um, don't even really know why they showed it then, but you know, (laughs) that's like a cool pop. Like, you know, it's sweet. It's sweet to see the, the master sword in Skyrim, I guess, but whatever. Um, so yeah, we'll talk about that more uh, when we get to Nintendo. Um, so then the next thing was Dishonored's Death of the Outsider DLC was announced, uh, which is really sweet. Um, Dwad is making a return, who's the villain Dowd. from... Dowd, excuse Dowd, me. Dowd, the uh, hero of the story, the, Pete. <laughs> the villain of the original. And yet again, another DLC proving he's the hero. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, so him and uh, Rosario Dawson's character from Dishonored 2, which, what was her name, Andy? Do you remember? Uh, well, her name was Megan Foster in Dishonored 2, but it's Billy Lurk. Oh. It's, they're the okay. same character. I totally... Did you forget about that? Oh, I, I, I did. I did not play yeah, Dishonored 2. Yeah, now that you're saying it, I remember reading the diary entries and shit, yeah. Okay, so this is, yeah, Rosario Dawson's character from the second game in her previous identity. Uh, and, uh, the two of them seem to have some relationship and they're going to go kill the outsider. So, or that's what they're going to try to do. Um, so oh, they're going to do it because Dowd is a man of his word. We'll see. I don't know <laughs> if they're going to be able to kill the devil. That seems like a tall order. Uh, yeah, you're right. Um, but the game comes out on September 15th. So I'm super excited to jump back in and dishonor for that. So, uh, yeah, we'll talk about it in the weeks to come. Um, do you guys have any thoughts based on the trailer, what we saw there? It looks cool. Um, it's it's pretty much what I always wanted. Um, I think, you know, like, just a little bit like that Pete and I have talked about off camera and stuff recently. Like, I think we even went into this conversation saying like, oh, wouldn't it be really cool if we got more about the outsider? Anything about him, really? Like, let's, you know, even explore like how he works. And like, this is yep. right there. So, yeah, yeah, we may or may not have been discussing that on a, a show that we may or may not be developing. Woo. Maybe. Ooh. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> e three cheeses. Ooh. <laughs> uh Sean, you've you've never touched Dishonored, right? No. Man, we I gotta you you're gonna borrow my copy though. You'll play it, you think? Uh yeah, I'll definitely play it. I'll give you the definitive edition. You get through that game in like a weekend. It's only it's only like twelve hours or something. Cool. Um alright, cool. So next up we saw a little bit more of Quake Champions, which is uh gonna be Quake's kind of return to the esports stage that it 
definitely helped develop. Um, looked super intense, very fast-paced, like classic bloody-ass Quake. Um, they announced that uh, BJ Blazkowicz is going to be a playable character, and um, they reconfirmed that there's going to be a, a new Quake World Champions with a $1 million prize pool. Uh, and if you want, you can go sign up for the beta right now at Quake.com. So, any of you guys interested in this? I'm, like, like, really upset I haven't gotten into the beta yet. I signed up, like, two months ago. I love yeah. Quake. Um, you, you need to sign up again. Like, it's really frustrating, because, like, yeah, sure, tell everyone to sign up for the beta, but also give me access to the beta so I can play and tell everyone how fun it is. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair you should sign up again with the uh the comics pals email and see if like look i'll talk about it on my podcast let me in the beta i mean not gonna lie i was super excited for quake love the trailer but the like early 2000s twitch shooter revival game that i'm really into got a bigger reveal the day after quake did at the pc show What's that? Lawbreakers, the new Cliffy B game. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, do you want to take a second and talk about that? We're not going to touch on the PC yeah. stuff. We might have, like, straggler announcements next week, but, yeah, if you yeah. want to bring that um, up real quick. So, Lawbreakers is the new game by Cliff Blazinski, because he doesn't go by Cliffy B anymore now that he's a dad and looks, like, real middle-aged. Because he's, like, in his 50s. Yeah, he's, like, in his late 40s, I think. But it's just, it's so weird to me, because he was the guy I still think of as the guy 15 years ago with his long-ass hair getting up to be like, this is my new IP, Gears of War, it looks awesome. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, he's, uh, he's a legend now. Oh, yeah. He's, like, I don't know, he's still the king of the first-person shooter in my mind as, like, a lead dev. And yeah. Lawbreakers looks so cool. Like, so cool. Quake, but you can fly. Cool. Can't uh, that. Did you ever play Tribes, Andy? I played a little bit of Tribes Ascend. Okay. it's it, Lawbreakers has a very Tribes feel to me, which yeah, I'm happy about, I see too. That. So. Yeah, but I'm not sure if like Lawbreakers is going to be a free-to-play game the way I think Quake is. Um, I think it was originally planned to be a free-to-play, but I think they, I think they backed up on that. Um... I don't know if, what was I going to say? Oh, I don't know if it's going to be free to play, but if it is, I'm super excited. I'm still probably going to play it. I'll buy it. It looks so good. I'm really, really hyped for Lawbreakers. So turning it back to Bethesda, uh, Evil Within 2 got its first trailer uh, where we, I, I didn't play Evil Within 1. So if any of this is like me botching the things I got from context clues, sorry. But uh, I was given the impression that the main character's daughter is still alive. This is your chance to save her. Um, I have, like, literally no idea what was happening in this trailer, but it was, like, a very Hideo Kojima, like, creepy atmosphere kind of vibe where I don't know what was happening, but it looked pretty cool, and people were super into this first game. So, um, yeah, it was a strong trailer, and I just don't really have any investment here. Update for anybody who wants it, though, real quick. You can just get a key for the Quake beta. Yeah, you don't have to wait for an email anymore. Now I'm really angry. Go get one. Yep. Um, Alright, so yeah, Evil Within 2's got a release date of Friday the 13th uh, of this year. So, big fall game, I guess. Check it out. 
Um, so then we got one last thing, which was uh, a trailer for Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus, which looks real cool. Um, this was definitely a high, high point, I think. Uh, not a super supply, surprise. We kind of got it teased for us last year. There have been rumblings that this was coming, but um, the game itself looks really interesting. Um, so it kind of opened with this, like, goofy live-action video segment of this, like, young woman and this, like, old-school, like, leave-it-to-beaver kind of vibe. Uh, and there's this, like, cop who's got his leg trapped under a, a car, and she, like, calls this big mech cult that's lethal. Like, you get the first taste that this is, like, people are speaking German and stuff. Um, and she, like, gets it to push the thing off or whatever. And then uh, it cuts to this, like, German superhero commercial, and then we get to this german game show called german or else and then we <laughs> german cut... or else <laughs> it's so fucking funny <laughs> and uh then we cut to the actual game and we see this like weird cat monkey hybrid uh you know in engine and then you know it's like the, the smooth jazz kind of theme tr uh theme song in the back and then um i guess the man the man who's our main character wakes up he's got scars all over him he's in this like weird hospital bed he's very disoriented uh, there's a German woman there waiting for him who's like, you know, I, I was praying for you to wake up. Uh, we find out that she's his pregnant wife. She's Polish. Um, oh, she's Polish? Yes. I played did the first like... game. Oh, okay. I was just <laughs> like, I was like, did she like speak? Uh, I, okay, cool. Thank you. Um, uh, yeah, so I guess this is the same main character from the first yes, game then? it's the same two characters. Oh, you talk about it then. I don't, I'm just fucking, I watched this trailer, you talk about it. I I don't remember the trailer like scene for scene like you do. Uh, you got it written down somewhere. Oh, okay. Well, I was gonna say like the next thing we I think we meet the, the scary Nazi lady who seems like she's gonna be one of the primary antagonists. Um, we get from this the first game, yeah. Yeah, like I got this impression that like the Nazis won World War Two. Um, there's like open KKK members walking around in hoods in these American streets. Um, you know, and uh, this like Nazi soldier walks into a diner. Like, like, all casually asks for a milkshake and then saunters up to, I guess, your character and, like, asks for their papers. Um, so, very, you know, very Wolfenstein, obviously. Uh, we got, you know, there's all this future tech. Some people have, like, mech parts. You know, they have these, like, kind of futuristic guns. Your character is leading a resistance against these Nazis and, uh, you end up seeing your guy in this, like, crazy fucking, like, robot suit of armor and stuff. And, uh, it, I don't know, it looks fucking awesome. I own the first game, um, still in the package. No, just kidding. Whoa. I bought it digitally. Um, but yeah, I never played it and heard a lot of good things about it. I got it for like $10 on a PlayStation sale, and this definitely gave me the uh, motivation to go back and play it now. Uh, a couple weeks ago on one of their episodes, I mentioned I picked it up and I started playing it, and I've only recently gotten to like just near the end, so this made a lot more sense to me. I'm glad I picked it up when I did, and... It's it just looks fucking incredible. Like the the first game is like this. I think I said it's like Doom. It's a satisfying level. You know, you walk up and punch a, a demon to bits, or like you know, this game, uh, you can dual wield anything. So you can have like dual wielding shotguns. Like why the fuck not? It's not necessarily the best option, but it's crazy and it's so satisfying to just mow down Nazis. I think they showed in the trailer a part where he's like walking down a train, uh, corridor and just like ten dudes walk out and just obliterates them with the auto shotgun. Um, yep. All those little bits that they showed that looked like, goddamn, that looks satisfying. Like that is the first game to a T. So it looks, it looks great. It looks like more of the same, but even better. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely gonna go back and play the first one since I own it. So um, I'm looking forward to this one. 
What do you guys think? Uh, it looks super fun. I really loved um, the New Order. It was a hell of a game. And yeah, I like the Steam page for it's really fun. Uh, the little description they have for it: America, 1961. The assassination of Nazi General Death said was a short-lived victory. The Nazis maintained their stranglehold on the world. You are B.J. Blazkowicz, a.k.a. Terror Billy, member of the <laughs> Resistance, scourge of the Nazi Empire, and humanity's last hope for liberty. I love the, I love the nickname Terror Billy. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I love in the first game, Pete, like how many times this man's like fucking Nazis and he just gets so pissed when he sees Nazis. <laughs> Dude, literally my favorite moment of the trailer is like two things. It's like he's in his mech suit and he's like, I'm not a Nazi. And this guy's like, did you say you were a Nazi? <laughs> yeah, and he's like, oh, fuck this. <laughs> but then later on when like they're arguing, he's arguing with, I guess, one of the other members of the resistance. And he's like, I have a child on the way and I'm not going to let him be raised in a world ruled by these damn Nazis. <laughs> Dude, he really hates them. Like from the first game, you were going to get the impression that he, he hears the word Nazi or he sees a swastika and he sees nothing but red and punches. He like Hulk smashes the moment he hears those words. So it's Dude, great. It's awesome. And you know, it's funny because like literally right before I watched the Bethesda conference, I saw um this Polygon article that was like making the point that like in gamer culture, like people openly defend Nazism. And then I was just like, this is a good time for a game like this that's all about just killing Nazis. And it's really <laughs> satisfying too. <laughs> yes, it looks really good. I'm into it. Uh, Sean, did you, did you check out the trailer? What did you think of it? Yeah, I checked it out. Uh, I mean, the trailer looked cool. I, I don't care about killing Nazis, honestly. <laughs> like, I mean, we've made the joke on the Comics Pals about me disliking period pieces. Uh, that's not entirely accurate, but I certainly have moved beyond World War II in terms of the gaming gaming experiences that I'm looking to have. Uh, so I just don't really care. And this is certainly not something that's on my Well, radar. I mean, Wolfenstein's not a World War II game. It's got that alternate history sci-fi going on. Yeah, I get it. But, like, the the idea of, you know, killing Nazis and that whole culture and all that stuff, I'm just not interested. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough, yeah. Um. So then they close out the show by reminding us that everything we saw on the stage was going to be released this year. So, pretty cool. Um. I, I Overall, I thought it was a fine conference, you know. Uh, pacing was good. I'm glad it was short. You know, because they didn't really have too much to talk about. So if it had been an hour and a half like every other conference with those same announcements, I think I would have been really mad. <laughs> um, and I think the, like, more Nintendo Direct vibe kind of worked for them this year, you know. Uh, but, you know, we'll see what happens next year. Um, all right, so moving right along, we're going to move over to the uh, Xbox side of things, which was the next conference. You know, I guess we'll do service level stuff. I thought this was a solid conference. Um, Xbox had a lot to talk about. It was well-paced, but I think my big takeaway from it was just I, I left it a little underwhelmed. You know, I think they talked about a lot of games that I didn't really necessarily feel like belonged on the E3 stage, um, even if they are the console-exclusive games that they have to boast. And, uh, you know, I think Scorpio looks and sounds cool and everything, but I didn't really see anything here that was like, you need to go buy a Scorpio. I didn't see anything here that as a PlayStation, PC, Nintendo gamer, that made me think, I've got to go buy an Xbox. And I feel like that was really what they needed coming out of this. I think they, I don't know, they came out swinging. Um, 
they certainly had, I think, more games to show off than anybody else. And it doesn't come out as, like, a lot of big exclusives because they're pushing their Play Anywhere program as, you know, Xbox exclusives mostly are showing off on PC now, and I'm fine with that. But they showed off a lot of cool stuff, I thought. Like, they brought out and announced a new Porsche for Forza, which was weird. But, like, uh, Metro Exodus, Theta Decay 2, um, The Last Night, Code Vein, the new Dragon Ball game. There was definitely some big pops. Like, the, the games that were cool were really cool. Yeah. Um, so I feel like a lot of the indies were, like, there's a lot of, like, A-tier kind of games where I'm just like, really? On the E3 stage? Okay. I mean, I think that's a lot of what gaming is about now. It's those, like... Maybe not A, maybe double A experiences. Stuff like State of Decay 2 or, you know, Deep Rock Galactic, which looks pretty fun. Um, yeah, I mean, games like that are definitely increasingly more relevant, for sure. Something like, I think one of the best-selling games this year has been fucking PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds, which is... Absolutely. Yeah. An early access, terrible piece of software that's super fun to play as a video game. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting a little better. There's been some yeah. patches. And it's coming to Xbox One. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, before you spoil any more of the announcements, Sean, what did you think about the, the surface level of the Xbox conference and what they had to offer? So I came into this really, really hoping that Microsoft would give me a reason to buy an Xbox, uh, whether that be the Xbox One or the One X or whatever the hell. Uh, I personally feel like they didn't do their job on that level and that to me was the whole point of this because that's their big pitch and so in that sense this was a fail um because i well i mean we're going to talk more about the X, xbox one x so i won't go in too much more into it but uh i'll just talk about the games and say that none of these games did a whole lot for me dragon ball was uh, was cool and we'll talk about that later other than that i was unimpressed I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle of those two sentiments, so let, let's just, we'll dive in here. Um, so they kicked it off strong. Uh, we came out with a sizzle reel about the history of Xbox. Phil Spencer came out to, like, thunderous applause, talked about the OG Xbox, uh, which we'll have a little more to talk about later. Um, but then they officially announced Xbox One X, um, the, quote, most powerful console ever made, which we've heard thrown around a couple times. We got a release date of November 7th uh, worldwide, which is cool. Um, and then they threw out the specs, which, you know, if you're interested in specs and all that stuff, you can go find that out, uh, at a place where people are more equipped to talk about that. But, you know, true 4K, 8 million pixels, HDR, 4K HD, Blu-ray playback, good stuff. Um, they saved this bomb for the end of the show, but I'm going to throw it out here. They gave us the price point, $500, which is a lot, um, for a... It's a, a premium console. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's a premium console that they need to sell to people in a race that they're losing, and I don't know if that's the way to do it. Um, they confirmed that all Xbox One accessories are going to work on, on the Xbox One X, which is cool. Uh, it's got enhanced visual fidelity, faster load times, even without 4K, thanks to something they're calling super sampling. Uh, they talked a little bit about the processor. They announced that this is going to be the first console to ever have a liquid-cooled vapor chamber, which is something that is generally reserved for, like, servers and high-end uh, gaming PCs and stuff like that. Um, they've got a optimized power management system that's going to make sure that you have a consistently efficient performance. And um, they have a way smaller, sleeker design for the box. They said it's the smallest Xbox ever. 
Um, so I mean, that's not, I guess not saying too much, but, uh, it does look like it's, it's pretty, it's pretty small, pretty sleek. Um, definitely a nice little unit visually anyway. Um, so sorry. Oh, go No, go ahead. I was going to say, what do you think? (laughs) I, I agree with all that. Uh, one of the things that I dislike when I watch these conferences is when they just start throwing specs out because that means nothing to me. I don't have the knowledge of those kinds of things to really be impressed by anything that they say when they start talking about specs and uh, i'm not gonna sit and compare what they said about xbox one x to ps4 or 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 anything like that i'm just not that into it that's not how you sell me at least as a gamer yeah i think some people care about that shit i do but i don't care enough that they should put it in like that part of the conference like pete said if you want to find out like they should give you the information sure but like i don't think they need to tell the audience those numbers people don't like generally care people want to say oh it's faster than this system okay that's all i care about you know or it's like twice as fast as this other system or whatever like arbitrary comparison they can make very fast i feel like you throw that out in a press release or something you know yeah exactly i mean i i care about this shit but not i don't think it deserves to be with the you know the games and all that i i watch these press conferences for games, for very hype announcements, and a console obviously is a hype announcement, but as soon as you start talking specs and they spend three minutes telling me what it is, it's by that point I'm tuned out. Uh, beyond that, I'm not sure who this is for. I, I don't know who who's supposed to be buying this. $500 is a lot of money. Uh, I don't have a 4K television. So even if I did buy it, I'm not going to get the the result. I'm not going to see this. The specs are not going to work for me. What the about way they the, what about the super sampling, Sean? <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Honestly, <laughs> like, uh, so so I, yeah, they, I feel they like said, they said it would like it would make the games run faster, basically. Great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like it's it's weird to sell a game console that will only do anything for you if you already have a super high-end television and i get that you know they sold um you know playstation 3 ps4 xbox 360 all that based around the idea of you having an, an hd television but when they were doing that i feel like hd tvs were fairly common at that point whereas i don't know that 4k has a huge install base and i'm not buying a 4k television anytime soon so i just don't know who this is for is it for the people who are looking to up upgrade from the xbox one is it for ps4 or ps3 owners who are going to jump ship i don't get it and if as as someone who does have a ps4 and doesn't have an xbox one there's not a chance i'm buying this there's no reason for me to do it i i i agree with that man uh i think it it was running into a lot of the same problems that i think the ps4 pro ran into where in terms of like marketing um but i think it's worse for xbox because PlayStation was able to respond to everyone having backlash with being like, well, no, it's just a premium product. Like, you don't have to upgrade your PS4. There's no reason to upgrade your PS4. And Xbox can't really take that narrative because the whole perp, or again, I agree with you that I think the goal of this conference should have been to sell Xboxes, should have been to make me, the, the gamer who likes the games Microsoft makes or publishes, but doesn't own an Xbox to be like, yeah, I want an Xbox or yeah, you know, I should get the Xbox one X and I don't see any reason to do that as someone who owns a PS4 and a PC and a switch. Like I I'm kind of with you on that one. 
I think a lot of it for me, like the turnoff was, uh, I, I would totally buy an Xbox if there was games I could only play, like, you know, half the titles we just mentioned that Microsoft released. If I couldn't play them at all on the computer, then I would have to consider, you know, playing on the Xbox because they're really cool. I would get an Xbox then. Right. I'm yeah. really interested in a lot of those games, but they make them for the PC too. And I have a PC, so I'm not going to drop 500 bucks on a system and then maybe get another controller, buy a game and spend like 700 fucking dollars sign up for the, the the subscription service you know and then like 750 later it's like i paid 700 bucks for my computer so i already did that i dropped that in you know like that's where it is and i kind of agree with you like i was really hoping to walk away from like i didn't watch the conference but i i did follow the you know the stuff obviously i was hoping to like get out of this like man i can't believe i have slept on xbox for so long and i would love to pick one up um and i don't feel that at all like i don't care about the s I think they're calling it right. Or X. X. Yeah. X. Yeah. A lot of fucking. S is the that's the slim one they put out last. Jesus year. Christ! I... It's all confusing too, it's right? It's very Thompson? bad naming. Yeah, like Xbox One X is a horrible thing to say. It makes you slow down enough that you have to like enunciate it. And I, I mean that's fine, but like yeah. PS4, right? There you go. They should call it the Elite. <laughs> or just elite. call it like yeah. I mean, just call yeah, it like cool. you know like something that else. Would have been perfect. Anything else? Uh, whatever. That puts their it's branding fine. back at Xbox though. Xbox One X. Yeah, but it's just like it's it is cool like that you dumb. can abbreviate it XBX. <laughs> like that's cool. But Yeah, I don't know. I'm not into the title. I mean that's just a little tiny thing that doesn't matter, but um yeah, I I'm not sold I, I on say, this console yet. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I will say to play devil's advocate though, uh to the point Sean made, is I do think that this might be a future proof move in the same way that the Pro was, because I think four K televisions are gonna become the standard in the next two or three years, probably. Um, they may. And, yeah, and, like, maybe they're thinking, hey, when people buy that 4K TV and they need a, a box and they don't have one or the other, maybe they'll go Xbox now. Because it is a DVD, a Blu-ray DVD player, too, like a 4K Blu-ray player. And the PS1 Pro is not. So maybe, maybe those things make a difference for them down the road, but I don't, leaving this conference, I don't, I don't feel like it, it made a big enough splash that anyone's going to want to buy it. I still think the fact that the games are on the PC market hurts them. You know, like I agree. I don't think like you know you can say like oh man you can play that game on the 4K TV if you had say you even have a 4K TV right now. It's like if you don't have the Xbox and you still own a computer, like you can just hook up a wire to your TV and do it that way. So you know it's like you don't need the system to. I mean, besides a Blu-ray player, and literally use the exact same controller. Right. Too, if yeah. You, want. you don't need the. The only thing you would really need it for is if you don't have a, a Blu-ray player somewhere. Uh, I I don't know. Like everything comes with a freaking Blu-ray player now. It's like a CD player from back in the day. You know, it just became standard. Then DVDs were like standard, and it's like, you know. Well, this is 4K Blu-ray, which is oh different. yeah, that is different. Thing is right. Like, PlayStation well, doesn't yeah. play. If those. you're into that, then sure. So. Then then, but I don't see you'd buy a console just for that. That seems arbitrary. So the only thing, thing there, like, Blu-ray players cost about the same amount. Do they so, really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, like, you, you could potentially buy this instead of a Blu-ray player and be like, okay, I can also use Netflix yeah, Okay, well, that's can, a, that's know, a so selling point, yeah. I feel like as as a media device, it's more attractive. That's a thing that's commonly attributed to the early success of the PS2 as well. It's like, it was the same price point as a lot of early DVD players and yeah, was itself Yeah, I do DVD remember that player. now. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah, that's part of why I got one. Think about it. I sure. think that that's a that's a fine point, but at the same time, uh, we're talking about like at that time DVDs, DVD players, they were in vogue, right? Like that was the thing. So yeah. PS, so PlayStation being able to come out with something that could play those, 
in lieu of you having to get a DVD player was super smart. Right now, we're talking about... I think, Pete, you're probably right. I think that the the um, the rise of 4K televisions is about two to three years off. That's it's not, imminent. Yeah. It's imminent-ish, right? That's not today, That's though. a good way to put it, yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> it is not today, yeah. And I don't think that people are necessarily i mean you could obviously be right i can't i can't disprove what you're saying but i don't think that people are necessarily going to go all right well i got a 4k television now i'm just going to go buy an xbox you know i feel like that's that's possible but it's not necessarily the case especially if those people are not necessarily core gamers who know all of that you know they might not realize oh well the xbox one x plays 4k dvds or blu-rays but the Xbox One doesn't. You know, like, I think that's a lot to digest for a person who's just buying a television for their family room. Uh, whereas it's, it's a lot more obvious with the PS4 or the Xbox One that it absolutely plays Blu-rays because we've become accustomed to that now. That that's just what it is. Um, and I also don't think necessarily that the PS4 Pro is the competition for the Xbox One X. Uh, at least in my mind. In my mind, the question is, how many people can we get to go from the PS4 to this or the Xbox One to this? And in my mind, the answer is not many people. I, I, I think, agree with that, yeah. I think the, the exclusivity of games is a big part of that. Like what Thompson was saying and what you were saying, Pete. I think that's a massive part. There are just games I don't, I cannot play if I don't have a PS4. You know, and it is what it is. Uh, I think that's a big part of it. And I think that it's murky, you know? I think it, it comes across as money grubby, and I don't think that I don't think it's wrong for these people to want to put out a new console. But at the same time, this is just a it's it, it's not it's not the next console generation. So for gamers, it's weird, you know. Yeah, I think the five hundred dollar price point. I know it's a very strong console, but I think that that's kind of like a dead on arrival sticker. You know, it's, yeah, for it's, for an upgrade, it's it's a lot of money for something new if you're going to branch into that territory for the first time if, as like someone like me it's like i don't have the the one so the xbox one so i, I don't know like i don't feel comfortable putting 500 dollars into like almost anything you know other than like the computer i got but that's because it's gonna last me forever and i need a new computer <laughs> so i don't need to get a new xbox you know but arbitrary for like some people have money and i guess it's not a big deal well i think to andy's point it's a premium product you know like it, it's definitely you know, like, you're not going to buy this unless you have a 4K TV. And I think the one thing I'd like to challenge, again, just to play devil's advocate before we move on, is um, the the notion that, that you raised, Sean, which is that um, I think you're right that the messaging here is, is definitely confused. Um, I guess the only thing I would challenge is I guess if you're tech savvy enough to buy a brand new 4K TV and you want to play 4K Blu-rays, that it's not it's not inconceivable to think that you would figure out that that's the best um, cost, you know, like that that's the, you know, but you're right that it, it isn't like a one-to-one thing. Like it's definitely not like a immediate association. Like, oh, I'm getting a 4K TV. I got to get an Xbox. Like, but I don't, I don't think it's necessarily a leap to think that people would be able to figure that out if that is clearly the cheapest way to do it. And you also get the benefit of a game system that you can stream media on. Your kids get a console in the living room. All right, so... The th- here's the deal though it's not that big of a leap but there are so many roadblocks to purchase that you're definitely like, right that's it you know <laughs> yeah 
Like, definitely no question there. It's, it's an uphill battle for them. And yeah. I knew that was going to be the case because these modular consoles are hard to sell because there's not an elevator pitch for them. But, yeah, man, I don't know. That's the other thing, man. Since since it is, like you guys said, a premium product and it's not the next console generation, right? Like, they they aren't going to commit to this being, like, their system, like, that we're going to, like, you know, 10 years from now, like, this is what we're going to be using. They're obviously going to have to make another system when the next generation of things really start coming out. So... Who knows, that's man? A great point. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like, maybe that's maybe that's dead. Maybe yeah. Maybe we're not going to have like generations anymore. Maybe it's always going to be these like point fives and stuff because technology isn't technology can't really go much more than we're already putting out. You know, like it can, but it's like at some point it 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 doesn't leap so much anymore. You know, it's I mean like a lot of diminishing returns. Yeah, you know? I mean the difference is like HD to four K, right? I mean you can see the difference, but to someone like me, I don't care i don't care it's at that point where i'm like hd looks good enough you know like and i'm not saying that other things wouldn't look better in 4k they would it's just i don't think it's a big enough gap sure but anyway um yeah we 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 should move on here we got we got a lot more to touch on so um they said that they had the longest and most diverse lineup of xbox at e3 we had 42 games on stage 22 games with console exclusivity on xbox one uh, and they confirm that every game that plays on, like every game they're putting out, will play great on the existing Xbox One units, but will play better or best on Xbox <laughs> One X. So they kicked it off with uh, showing off Forza Seven Motorsport, um, which I guess makes sense. You know, it's a big Xbox title, and like Andy said, they brought out a Porsche, which was super weird. Like that's I don't know, I'm not into that kind of stuff at E3. I don't like the like weird like oh look we're gonna promote this car while we're here talk about actual soccer at the ea things like that whatever um so you know i don't i don't really care about car games i don't want to talk about forza uh so moving on um deep silver's next game uh in the metro series metro exodus was shown off looks really cool uh creepy atmosphere kind of trailer um i don't one of you guys has played i have played both of them and they're fucking incredible Alright, so what's the deal? Are they aliens or are they mutants or something? They're mutants. Um, they're, everything's mutants. They're based okay. off of books. Even though they look like aliens at some some specific things, everything uh, mutated from something. And the ones that look like aliens are people that were mutated. So okay. they just are like... A, they're they're like, a, like X-Men. In, like They're almost considered X-Men. They're like considered to be better than us. Like genetically. Because they're adaptable right. to the environment. And they have like powers that we don't. So technically they're better. But Metro is about people, so. <laughs> so uh, yeah, when we saw like a big map, looked like a mostly dead world. There's like dead, like looking like mummified almost people everywhere. Think we of saw Fallout. These, like... It's the it's the same scenario. It's bombs drop, it everyone looked, hides. It looks even deader though, because like at least Fallout, like the world is rebuilt and there's like a yes. culture there. But like yeah. this, it looked like eh, like it was real dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was like all these like mutant dogs and wolves and stuff, and then we saw this huge mutant bear, which was like really cool. Um, yeah, so, like, I don't know. I, I don't have the context here, so I was super confused by what was going on, but it looks really cool. I'm definitely interested. Um, it ended with a main character jumping on a train with this other human that he appeared to know, and, um, I don't know. looks pretty cool, but, uh, coming out in 2018, um, and it is not an exclusive. So, you can get this one on PS4. Uh, PC also? Yep. Yeah, yeah, of course. Cool. Just hope so, because I played the other two on PC. I would just hope it would be there, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, did you have any thoughts on this Thompson since you have familiarity with the series? Yeah, yeah, so like you see at the beginning of the trailer how you were underground in the tunnels, right? And you have the gas mask on and everything? 
that sure. is that is a ninety percent of the mechanic of the first games, right? There is there's filters that you got to get constantly. Um, you can't breathe the air. Everything's toxic all the time. Unless you're like deep in the tunnels, you're okay. Um, but basically, everything about Metro is the world's shit. Everything's trying to kill you. So you don't go on the surface. You very rarely do you go on the surface. And the segments that you're on the surface, people are like, fuck, we're on the surface, we gotta run. So, based on the events of the second game, um, the world's kind of relatively okay enough to even go outside, as you saw, and he took the mask off and didn't die instantly. So that's cool. Right. Um, so that's new, because the games are never like that. It's kind of like you said with Fallout, having the world open, and, and like, you know, there is something going on. This would be like Fallout 1, uh, where people are just starting to leave the vaults and the world's just okay enough to go outside. So he saw that map he brought up. He's exploring, right? And that's... No one has any idea what's on the surface. It's it's just complete degradation of all things. So it's neat to see the world um, outside of the tunnels, finally. I don't. Nice. I actually don't know that's if I'd really care cool. as much if it was just in the tunnels again, you know? Yeah, yeah, so it seems like a really good natural evolution there. Yeah. Cool. I recommend right. it. Sweet, good. Um, all right, so moving along for the next one, we've got uh, Assassin's Creed Origins, big reveal for the week. Uh, Egypt setting is confirmed. You know, we saw um, there's a pretty similar trailer we got at the Ubisoft conference later on, but this was definitely like the big dive. Um, so obviously, as the title suggests, we got the confirmation that this is the first ever set of assassins. Uh, seems like animals are a pretty big mechanic in the game, uh, similar to like Far Cry. Um and I, we also got like teaser of like this big, uh, you know, like like magic looking like snake creature, like a basilisk or something. Um, but it looks pretty cool, you know. Uh, we learned that the main character's name is uh, Baik Baik, uh, who's a uh, kind of like an Egyptian sheriff figure. Um, they've added some new RPG elements to the game, like character progression and stuff. Uh, we saw some new um, like in-game uh, features, like there's an eagle that you can summon to, like, uh, survey land areas and, like, mark enemies or find, like, the targets that you need to assassinate and stuff. Um, it looks pretty during gameplay, but a lot of the animations didn't look super polished. I mean, I don't know if that's just because this is earlier, but it looked, like, not totally free of the Assassin's Creed jank that we've come to know uh, and accept, I suppose. Uh, world team's very alive. Uh, the enemies all have levels, so sometimes you're going to need to pick your battles. There'll be people that are too powerful for you to take on. Um, the actual gameplay itself looks pretty engaging. The uh, fighting definitely looked a little bit better, more interesting than previous entries. And um, the setting definitely seems like a w welcome return to form, I think. The you know ancient kind of Arabic setting you know definitely worked for the first game, and it seems very at home here, I think. Um, and then we got the confirmation of an October 27th release date. So I know Sean hates Assassin's Creed. So we'll, uh, I, I, did you have anything, anything positive to say or just more of the same? For it's, you? it's Assassin's Creed. Right. For those yeah. that like it, I'm happy for you guys. You know, it looks cool for that, for the, for that crowd. For me, it's nothing that's going to change my mind about how I feel about that series. Cool. Yeah, I know we talked about it in depth on that one episode, but I'm pretty much, I've checked out of the Assassin's Creed franchise at this point, so while it looks cool and I agree, you know, anyone who was still into it, great, you know, it looks like it's nice, but I don't, I'm not sold yet. I thought it was cool, I'm probably not going to play it, but, like, a good, you know, Assassin's Creed is good for gaming because good games are good for gaming, and it's going to sell a billion copies either way, so here's hoping it's good. You know, it's actually kind of weird to me that Assassin's Creed is so popular. 
Really? I don't know. It's like yeah, it seems like the exact sort of thing that would get popular. It's like it's quasi historical. It's open world. It's easy enough to be accessible, but you know the difficulty's there if you're looking for it. Um, it's a make your own game kind of thing where you can just power right through the story. You can find all the feathers and. I assume there's still feathers. The last Assassin's Creed game I played was Assassin's Creed 2. Yeah, I guess you're right. Um, I don't know. It just seems like a game that's very kind of um, surface surface level in terms of the kind of offering. It reminds me a lot of Call of Duty. They pump one out every year. It's you know kind of the same deal every time, more or less. But I guess that's... I mean, you're right. That's a lot of what's in right now. So Yeah, I don't know, man. I, uh, I'm kind of with Thompson where I'm not really sold on it yet. Um, but it doesn't look bad. You know, like, it looks like it's a solid game. It looks like it's well put together. I just don't know if I care anymore. I think the thing that gets me is it has all the notes that I wanted in an Assassin's Creed game, like, four games ago, though. And I think if I hadn't played those other, you know, like, everything up to the end, I probably would have just jumped on this right away, but now I'm not, like, burned. I just, I mean, I'm a little burned, I guess. It's just more like, these are all the things I wanted back when I cared, and now I don't care, and I just kind of feel like, it's too late to get me back. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I just feel like, I feel like maybe it's just time to let Assassin's Creed go. You know, I feel like there are a lot of other games that have come and done what it did better and learned from its mistakes. And uh, that is a very good point. I just don't know if there's a place for it anymore. I feel like maybe we as, as, uh, as a culture have kind of moved on from it. Yeah, I mean, uh, not to spoil too much, but Mordor's Sh- or Shadow of War, uh, Middle Earth Shadow of War, right? Yeah, that's, right. that's the title. Keep forgetting what that one's called. Um, that you know plays relatively the same way with the climbing and assassinating mechanics, and sure. it's, I think it's better. You know, right? Just the way it plays, it felt better. You can't do like you know, obviously the the hidden a blade, all that crap, and you're not like truly an assassin in that respect. So if you're really into that, sure. But other games exist that play in that style now. So. Yep. So I mean, we'll see what happens in the weeks to come. Yeah. But uh. So, next announcement, um, they just kept firing them off here. Pace was real good. Uh, we learned that uh, Player Unknown Battlegrounds is coming to Xbox as a console exclusive. I think this is a huge deal for them. It is. Um, so, they had the the creative director came on to kind of push the game, talked a little bit about it, announced that they are going to be doing an Xbox One X update that will be patched in at a later date. Uh, we saw some new maps, some updated environmental interaction, like the ability to like blow a hole through a door and like chuck a bomb through it and stuff. Uh, we saw boats, um, and it's coming to consoles late 2017, so shouldn't be too far off. Um, I mean, that's cool, right? We all, we talk about that show or that game enough on our main show, so I don't think we need to talk about it too much. But it's a cool announcement for them. Yeah, yeah. it's a good game. It's getting updates. Awesome. I'm happy. Uh, so here's where we kind of started getting into a big pace of, like, indie games and, like, smaller, like, A, double A tier. So uh, we learned about Deep Rock Galactic, which is an Xbox One console exclusive. Looks like a weird space game uh, where you're in a squad doing, like, mining and shit, fighting some bug aliens. Has, like, a classic kind of polygonal style. <clears throat> um, then we saw an announcement for Sata Decay 2, which is... Um, you know, if you played the original Sata Decay, I know Thompson and I both did. It's uh, a zombie apocalypse resource management kind of game um basically just looks like a bigger and better state of decay you know but co-op yeah there's co-op um other than that you know it it just looks like a more sophisticated version of the original you're building out settlements you're meeting characters in the field and you know 
uh, saving them, bringing them into your group and stuff. Um, it seems like your main character can die and then you can pick up with someone else, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so, you know, um, not really anything too different. I guess my one concern with this is, like, I was interested in this game a couple years ago when they announced it, and I just, like, I don't know if I care anymore. Like, I feel like there's... The gaming landscape is so much more crowded that I don't know if I have room for this game anymore, especially with, like, Days Gone coming around the corner, seemingly. And that game looks very similar to this in terms of, like, it's zombies and all that kind of stuff. And I just don't know if I'm going to need another zombie game this year or next year. I, I love the first game. I played a ton of it, and I was super excited for this. And I... I don't think I have the time to play this anymore, you know, like, because there's so many other bigger games now. Um, you know, like, it, it, it looks great, but it's just a matter of, like, when all these other games we've already mentioned are coming out, am I going to fit State of Decay 2 in there? Probably not. So, maybe too late. <laughs> I don't know. For me, at least. Fair. Um, I think it looks fine. I think it looks like it's, like, other than Zombies not going to scratch a super similar itch to Days Gone. That's definitely true. But honestly, I have some things to say about Days Gone. <laughs> well, save that save that for the Sony section. Can I take the lead on the Darwin Project? Because I know that's the next one, and I have a lot of things to say about the way that was presented. Sure. So, uh, after State of Decay, we got a trailer for the Darwin Project, uh, which looks kind of like a MOBA-influenced uh, Battle Royale kind of thing, single elimination... Yeah, it's special abilities and characters and stuff. And the game itself looks cool, kind of somewhere in the Overwatch meets Player Unknown space. But oh my god, the missteps in the presentation of this game. Halfway through the trailer, it like started out, it was tense, and then they had a shoutcaster come in and start screaming about all these abilities and level ups. And it was like impossible to follow a lot of what was happening because this guy was yelling and I didn't know the jargon he was yelling in. The gameplay looked pretty cool, but it seems really, really dumb to put, like, the new Battle Royale game so close to the one that's super successful right now and, like, big get for console exclusivity, you know? Yeah, dude, and, like, I got the just uh, overall interpretation of this is just looking generic. Like, there are a million games out there like this right now, and maybe it's different from all of them in its own unique ways, but, like, we have Pub, we have Overwatch, we have League, we have Heroes, we have Dota. Like, there's, like... This character-driven, you know, hero-driven, like, multiplayer competitive thing is, like, there can only be so many games like this, and, like, I don't need another one, and especially from, like, some indie developer I've never heard of, like, I don't know that it's gonna find a place. It's, like, everything is so crowded for that kind of game right now. I, I, I saw the trailer, and the I left thinking, man, that looks like another Battleborn right there. You know, yeah. aesthetically and otherwise, it, it... I totally agree with you. I wasn't impressed at all. Like you said, I, whoever said it, generic. Uh, so I guess I'm in the minority, and that might be because I've never played a game like this before, but this actually looks really cool. Uh, I mean, I, I, I see this as very different than uh, your standard MOBA. Like, I don't see really the correlation between this and Heroes, um, other than the fact that I guess like what you were saying, Pete, which is that it's hero-driven. But this this game seems to be quite different than what I've seen. And so for that reason, it looks pretty cool, uh, but it's on Xbox. <laughs> yeah. And PC. Oh, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> there you go. Cool. 
If we like it, we can always, you know, if it's actually good, we can play it on PC. Yeah. Um, all right, so the next up, we got a little bit of Minecraft news. Uh, there's a new community marketplace coming out, massive community-run service that all have, like, different themed worlds, cross-play between all platforms. Um, except PlayStation. Except PlayStation. Uh, well, they didn't say not PlayStation, but they didn't show a PlayStation co- controller, and they said consoles. So I'm inclined to think you're right. Yeah, they like specifically announced everything else in a like a press release after, and Sony's been hung up on crossplay stuff for a while apparently. So they did show mobile, Switch, and PC will all be in unified now, so you can check them all out. Seems like they're just trying to make Minecraft a unified platform overall, which is probably ultimately a good move. All right, so next up we got the new DBZ fighter, Dragon Ball Fighter Z. Or maybe Fighters. I'm not really sure. I think it's Fighter Z. Okay, that would that would make more sense. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, just get it out of the way. Game's not exclusive. Is coming to PS4. Not sure about PC, but it's coming to PC. It is. Okay. Cool. Um. So it's a 2D fighter, 3v3 fighting. Uh, looks like it has like kind of a Marvel versus Capcom vibe. Uh, looks very clean, very fluid. Art looks really cool. Uh, coming out early 2018. I'm looking forward to it. What do you guys think? This is the game, I think, that probably had the biggest impression, left me with the biggest impression uh, coming out of E3, just because, first of all, it's very pretty. Like, yeah. I was actually showing this to some of my friends, and one of them was like, well, when does when does the gameplay start? It looks like uh, an episode of the show. And I was like, this is the game. And, you know, I mean, that just speaks to how good it looks. I don't know how much of that is because they showed the Xbox trailer, but, uh, you know, the enhanced version, but it looks amazing. Uh, the fact that it's a 2D fighter is something that really speaks to me as a lover of 2D fighters in general. That's the way I prefer to play these fighting games. Uh, it's got the Marvel the Marvel 2 vibe where it is 3v3 battles, which is awesome. Um, and you can like call call people in for assists yeah, and stuff, you and can, you can do assists, which is great. And it but it does keep some of the 3D elements in terms of when you're actually doing the moves, your character does move around. Um, but it's, you're locked into those moves. So while you're doing them, there is that 3d element, uh, but then it goes right back to the 2d. I think this is what Dragon Ball Z needed. I think this is the right developer to make a great Dragon Ball Z, uh, fighting game. And so I'm really, really, really pumped about this. Yeah. It looks really good. Like yeah. just straight up, you know, I'm, I'm definitely in on this one. Everything Sean said and more, I, I love it. I, I get a Guilty Gear vibe from it a little bit, yeah. too. And mm, uh, yeah. I haven't played uh, Guilty Gear in forever. And seriously, man, like, I I actually don't remember where we were talking about this. It could have been on the podcast or not, but uh, we were talking about 2D fighters and, like, you know, some fighting game. And I was like, oh, it's not 2D. It's like, that hasn't happened in a while. And, like, this fucking comes out, like, a week later. So, uh, right there. Yeah, I'm sold already. This may have been, like, the one game that I was more like hyped about than any other game just because i i didn't expect it you know yep yeah definitely a surprise um all right so moving right along uh we got the announcement of uh black desert which is an mmorpg swords and sorcery kind of kind of deal um looks like it has a japanese vibe um action fighter kind of deal as well um multiple characters and classes console exclusive console exclusive so check it out um that was one of the games that first gave me the impression of just like really like this at e3 i don't i don't know is um, it, wait, Black Desert? Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a Korean MMO, yeah. maybe. No, yeah, 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 I've played that before. Um, yeah, that's on, that's on Steam, too. Yeah, yeah, it's, it already exists, it's, they're porting it to uh, Xbox. Oh, okay, that's what I was getting confused about, I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, I didn't catch that. 
Um, so then next up, we heard about The Last Night, which is a console-exclusive pixel game. Very fucking stylish. Uh, there's a bit of controversy around the game that we are going to talk about in our next regularly scheduled episode. Not really space for it here. But uh, it looks really cool. It's got a like a Blade Runner kind of vibe. The pixel art is gorgeous. Um, apparently, it's a platformer, according to a press release from the developers. Um, definitely a game I'm interested in, uh, based on its visual aesthetic, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so next up was uh, The Artful Escape, which is uh, another console exclusive, car- kind of cartoony style. Um, kind of reminded me of, uh, what, what's that game that you and I liked? Oxenfree. Kind of had like an Oxenfree oh, yeah, look to it that. in terms of the art, you know? Uh, really gorgeous colors, kind of like a retro future vibe. Not really sure what it's about. It looked like the character was using like a guitar to platform and stuff, and... I have no idea what the fuck it is or what the hell it was, but I found it to be very captivating. Um, it had definitely like rock and roll psychedelic kind of vibe. Uh, and something I thought was really funny was at the end of the trailer um, where they would usually put the release date, they wrote coming when it's damn ready. So it's like um, the blizzard stance. I agree. Yeah. I, I have no idea when this game's coming out, but it's on my radar now. Yeah. Um, I saw the trailer and I thought I would like to see more trailers not i would like to play this game which i don't think is a great sign that yeah that's fair um i, mean, I don't really have, i i think it's a platformer yeah you know but like <laughs> <laughs> well we're talking about it so they did their job right yeah it's definitely interesting all right so then we had a game called code vein which is like a very japanese edgelord kind of vibe looks yes. like anime dark souls coming from bandai namco Come out in 2018. Oh my god. Uh, Thompson, I can see you're shaking with excitement. I'm so fucking happy for this game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I saw the trailer and I, I just, my fucking jaw dropped. Like, the moment I saw the combat, I was like, oh god, another Souls entry game. And it's just, it, it's so edgy and I I love that shit so much. <laughs> I just, I adore it, you know? There's not a huge market for that, really, and I'm so glad. Yeah, you'll get it. So. I will. No, I'm buying it. I don't care what it. Yeah. I don't care if it's bad. I'm buying it. <laughs> I, I mean, it'll probably be good. Bandai's not known for putting out shit. Yeah. Um. All right. So then we got a big chunk about Sea of Thieves. Um. My first impression was Jesus Christ, this game is so pretty. Every time I see it, I'm like, God, I love these these visuals. Um. But you know, so we got you know a reaffirmation of the same stuff we know: shared pirate world, multiplayer, all that stuff. Um. But. The new stuff we learned was apparently you can actually get off the ship. You can dive and explore sunken ships uh, for, like, loot and resources. Sharks can attack you underwater. You can drown. Um, weather seems to be a pretty significant obstacle when you're out on the open sea. Uh, you get riddles that work as a map for you to find buried treasure and stuff like that. Uh, every region has its own landmarks and, like, different islands and stuff like that. Uh, you get to explore those on ground and have combat against, like, NPCs, like skeletons and stuff. Um, people can attack your ship while you're exploring, so, uh, they made the point that you might want to sometimes leave someone on the ship to defend or, like, make a quick getaway. Uh, exploring caves has, like, a very dungeon-crawling kind of vibe. We got a hint at, like, boss monsters, like a kraken, maybe. Um, and, uh, other little fun stuff, like, you can fire yourself out of a cannon onto opposing ships and try to kill the crew members. Um, I, I really like that they didn't show us too much more ship fighting. We've seen a lot of that already. And I feel like I have a way better sense of what the game is like now and, like, the moment-to-moment gameplay. Uh, and I really hope that – I hope that we can get enough people involved to play it and actually have a regular crew to play because it seems like it's going to be really fun. But I just don't know how it's going to fare with, like, the general public. So now that I can talk about it. 
Yeah, now that your embargo is lifted. I don't know if my embargo is lifted, but I'm going to talk about just the things they showed in this trailer. Um, it's weird that they highlighted the skeletons and the treasure stuff, because that is hands down the worst part of the game. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like, it's okay, but it's just like, you walk up an island, you shoot a couple skeletons with your slow-ass pistol, you figure out a riddle, and then dig up a piece of treasure. But, like, Sea of Thieves is really fun, and where it shines is, like, when you're sailing up to that island, and another crew has the same map, and then all of a sudden it's like a pirate fight, and then a third ship shows up, and you're both yelling over comms, you're like, no, you know, shoot them, not us, shoot us, not them. <laughs> Like, that part of the game is really great as an experience I've never had in gaming. So have you found that the game is, like, it's fun without having other people you know to play with? You don't think you need, like, a regular crew, or...? Like, I, I think it'll be a lot better with a regular crew, but yeah, I'm still having fun with it. Cool. Um, Alright, well, the thing was we got early 2018 as a release window, which is super disappointing. I feel like this game should be out, but, you know... They gotta take their time, I get it. I want this game to be good, so I'm excited for it. Um, next up, we got Tacoma, which is a console exclusive from the makers of Gone Home. Uh, sci-fi setting, narrative-driven, walking sim coming out on August 2nd, so that's right around the corner. If you're a fan of Gone Home, something to keep an eye out for. Um, pretty cool they got that as a console exclusive. That seems a little weird, but uh, you know that's definitely a name that matters, I think. Um, so then we got a really, really weird, like, the amount of, like, throwback to 90s and 2000 shit that we saw in these, uh, press conferences was a little strange to me, but, um, we got an announcement for a 3D, like, a kid's 3D platformer called Super Lucky's Tale, uh, has little cutesy fox boy as, like, the main character, has, like, a kind of a rare vibe, but it just seems very generic, like, not very distinct at all. Um, and as someone who is, like, hugely into 3D platformers, like, I don't know, I'm not interested in this. And, uh, it's coming out on November 7th, which is, like, going right up against Mario Odyssey, which is, like, what the fuck? That's okay. stupid. <laughs> yeah, that's one way to do it, I guess. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, so I don't know. Uh, then next up, we finally got a release date for Cuphead. Uh, thankfully, a very short sizzle trailer. Um, game's coming out on September 29th. Glad it was short and sweet, and that we didn't you know, see more of it than we've already seen. Put the damn game out already. I'm back on Team Cuphead. I yeah, was, me too. I was, like, after last year's E3, convinced it was either never going to come out or come out and be bad. But, like, the sizzle trailer we got, man, did it make me, like, want to play that game. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I mean, they didn't show a lot of the platforming, but the platforming they did show seemed a little bit more fleshed out than what we previously saw. So, I mean, you know, as long as the boss rush portions of it are fun i think that's going to be enough to be engaging but i just hope it's i hope that the platforming doesn't like kneecap the game yeah i mean the platforming levels that we saw now looked good compared to the, like the boring stuff we saw last year yeah that's for sure uh okay so next up was crackdown 3 which is uh, another console exclusive you know it's an xbox kind of franchise starring terry cruz which is like pretty cool um, had actual, like, real-life IRL Terry Crews, like, yelling at the screen, which was some of the most, like, 90s shit I've ever seen. It reminded me of those, like, old World of Warcraft commercials. You know, like, Mr. T was like, I'm a night elf mohawk. Oh my god, and, I forgot and then, about like, that. And then there was, like, Ozzy, and he was like, I'm the prince of fucking darkness. Play fucking World of Warcraft. <laughs> it's like, alright, wow. I guess. What a throwback, man. Jeez, I forgot about that. 
Yeah, it was super weird, but it was funny. Um, it looks fine, but very generic, and that's that's kind of Crackdown's thing. So I would love to see more gameplay. I think, but it, it looks it looks fine. Uh, November seventh, so it's another one right around the corner. Uh, so then we got an ID at Xbox Sizzle Reel, which is like you know Xbox's indie efforts. There's like a ton of games. We're not gonna go through them all, but. Um, the ones that stuck out to me were Battle Right, Brawl Out, Ooblets, and Hello Neighbor, which are all, uh, PC games that have been shown off and have gotten a lot of buzz or are already really popular. So, those are all to look out for. If you're into the indie games, you got Xbox, go check that out. All of these games are going to be available on PC, though, so. Um, then we learned about Ashen, which is a console exclusive, got a super interesting art style. Um, nobody has faces, which is, like, super creepy. Uh, very stylish world, dark, kind of beautiful, atmospheric action game um looks interesting but you know it's another one that probably need a little more information about it before we know if it's going to be anything we're going to want to play uh and then one that i'm really excited about was uh life is strange's prequel before the storm got an announcement uh it's going to be a three-part series uh comes out on august 31st for the first episode it's all about chloe we saw um references to characters that were mentioned in life is strange like uh rachel and then um i think steve is like the guy who has a dog and shit that you interact with he's in the game if you pre-order it you can get uh an exclusive outfit that's chloe's original costume uh or not costume but the way she looks in the first game which is something i'm definitely going to do so if you're a fan of the series you know something worth paying attention to it is from a different developer too while uh don't nod's working on vampire so there's some things to be concerned here but I'm going to remain cautiously optimistic until there's a reason not to. Uh, so then the next real big thing was Shadow of War. Got its, um, got its like, kind of, you know, big E3 showing, uh, even though it did make an appearance at damn near every <laughs> every conference in the show, except for Sony. Um, but they're going to be expanding the Nemesis system. You're going to be able to bet out an army, have multiple fortresses. Uh, you know, looks like more of the same. Um, you know, Andy, you, you played the first one quite a bit, right? Yeah. So what do you what do you think about this? I'm not sure if it was I think it was at Xbox they showed the trailer with uh that starts with like bruise the whatever. That was a really yeah, cool yeah, trailer. Yeah, one. I I like the humor. I like the like raising the stakesiness of it if that makes sense. It goes from, you know, you get uh like a group of orcs and you make them fight each other to you start out recruiting an army to like siege a stronghold. Feels like a very natural evolution. Oh, yeah. It feels bigger. It feels like they're not, you know, tying their own wrists to make it run on a 360 or a PS3 anymore, and that's cool. Right. They said it's going to be, like, a much bigger world. There's two new regions to explore besides Mordor. Um, you're going to, like, assault fortresses and stuff. All the, like, sub-characters seem to, like, have their own personality and dialogue and all that kind of stuff fleshed out. So, looks like it's a lot bigger. Yeah, it looks cool. I'm excited. I really enjoyed the first game, and the the Nemesis system was something I wish that, like, more games, not necessarily in that, but, like, more games could implement something closer to that, uh, especially something like Just Cause, you know, like, that's another game you're, like, leading revolu- rev- yeah, revolutions and stuff, um, and it's, like, it was a very interesting system, I'm really glad they expanded on it, I like how they doubled down on their, their like, way of interpreting the lore, because it doesn't fit and that's fine. I don't. I don't know. A lot of people were upset about that. It's like it's not canonically possible. Other things they were doing in the first game, but like this game, they're just like fuck it. We're gonna fight Sauron too. So I think that's that's incredible. It's it's a time period that isn't something that you know isn't even talked about in the rest of the books really. So I'm excited. Yeah, definitely, definitely something to look forward to. It's coming out October 10th. So 
Another big Super claw uh, so then we got a trailer for Ori and the Will of the Wisps, the sequel to Ori and the Blind Forest. Um, they have like a real pianist on stage. It's like very nice, nice presentation for this. I mean, the game is very pretty and stylized. Obviously, that's Ori's bag. Um, so if you're into Ori, yeah, more Ori's on the way. So good shit. Um, so then they had a pretty cool announcement. Not quite as interesting as last year's backwards compatibility news, but original Xbox games will now be Xbox uh, will now be backwards compatible on all Xbox One systems, which is a pretty baller good faith move. You know, I don't I don't really know that that many people are going to take them up on this offer, but, you know, um, they they pushed Crimson Skies as the first game that they're that they're announcing for it. Um, they promised that the games will look and play better because of that thing I mentioned earlier that makes games run better even if you're not on 4K. Um, so that's that's pretty cool. And uh, launches later this year. So we should get a bigger announcement in the fall, they said. We get like a new slate of games, so it's pretty cool, I guess. I could like, I guess I could go back and play like Stubbs the Zombie, right? Oh my god, you played that? <laughs> Nobody yeah. else ever played that. I was the only person <laughs> on the planet who ever played that game. I fucking love that game. Stubbs the Zombie, destroy all humans. There's lots of weird single player Xbox games I was into. This wasn't a part of their conference, but it was announced that they are working with a third party manufacturer to remake the original xbox duke controller compatible with xbox one for the backwards compatibility the big one That's not so not cool. the s like not, not the controller s but the big fat one not the controller s the big fat duke with the black and white buttons the one uh the one analog stick that was concave the one that was convex who, who asked so cool. for this <laughs> what was it was there like a secret movement for this on online like a petition like bring back that controller you bastards i did not know the about. duke is the only way to play the only way to play Crimson Skies. Uh, apparently, I guess. Okay. Man, that's like that's very strange, but okay. Yeah, I definitely agree. <laughs> uh, from there, we got announcements that there will be Xbox One X updates to Gears 4, Forza Horizon 3, Killer Instinct, Halo Wars 2, Minecraft, and 30 third-party titles um, that are currently in development, including Final Fantasy 15, Resident Evil 7, Ghost Recon Wildlands, and Rocket League. So... You know, if you manage to get the Xbox One X, you can have some uh, new 4K games to play. Um, then they finally gave us the release date, or not the uh, not the release date, the the price point at five hundred dollars. Um, you know, we talked about that enough. Uh, then we got the full first look at the new Bioware game Anthem, which was kind of how they uh, they wrapped up the show. So this was really cool, I thought. Really gorgeous look to it. It's got like a gritty Star Wars-esque kind of sci-fi world vibe. Um, we saw mechs. There's robots. There's people in robot suits. Um, freelancers are the people who leave the safe cities in these mech suits to protect humanity and go out on missions and stuff. Um, they all have, like the mech suits are called javelins. They all have, they're all like super customizable. Um, they give people superpowers. Uh, we like we talked about earlier, like um, or no, I'm sorry, we talked about this off mic. That uh, the suits like the, they showed the people like flying around like Iron Man, you know, to go to missions and stuff. Um, it looks really cool. You know, the visuals are very very sharp. Uh, the action looks pretty sick. It's like this big vast open world. It looks like um, there's a bunch of different classes with their own play styles. There's a bunch of these hostile monsters called, uh, I think scars look like they're maybe this alien race that has taken over the planet or something. Um, the suits can go underwater. There's like all these caverns that we saw. Um, there's like these big mechas and stuff. Like 
I don't know. This looks really interesting. And I was really lukewarm when we talked about this on the show a couple weeks ago, just because I don't really like the idea of it being like a service or like a destiny kind of game. And even there's like definitely destiny parallels with the narrative that they're setting up here, but it seems really cool. I have to say, it looks like a game I definitely want to play. It looks super fucking dynamic. See, I watched the tr- the uh, the long gameplay thing, and I thought, well, I didn't play Destiny. I'm probably not going to play this either. I don't know. I was kind of like, oh shit, I didn't play Destiny, but I'll I'll do this one. I like Bioware. I'm I'm kind of in Pete's uh, arena for this one. Like, I got a little bit of the Warframe kind of feel with the suit customization. Um, not like necessarily the gameplay. You're not jumping around like a ninja, really. Um, so like like a little bit of Borderlands in there for the the gun drops and stuff and like Destiny obviously and you know this is I like I like Bioware um, so this is something that I could see myself starting like just you know oh let me play a game run you know five minutes whatever and then like su- get sucked into it you know and then like next thing I know it's like a five hundred hours later and I'm like oh man have you guys played this game <laughs> but that's that so Sean actually already owns Anthem. But it's in the wrapper. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't played it yet. Well, you're right about one thing. I haven't played it yet. Uh, so for me, this has mechs, which I like. Um, it looks like a really good game in terms of you know the quality of the graphics. Uh, it is it is similar to Destiny. At least I got the Destiny vibe. That doesn't appeal to me because I bought Destiny and didn't really play it I, I i had it in my playstation for probably a total of an hour including the install <laughs> period so i probably played 20 minutes of it honestly uh that being said i do really like bioware i won't say that i that i'm looking forward to this because i don't know that i am quite frankly i just need to hear and see a lot more before i'm ready to feel anything about this. I think that's totally fair. I think the only reason I think I am so in on it is because I went from being like, fuck, I'm really disappointed that that is the direction of their new game to being like, okay, I'm I'm willing to pay attention now. You know, like it's on my radar in a way I don't think it was before. They got my attention. Yeah, I, I don't know that I'm necessarily going to go out and buy it, but if I keep hearing more things and seeing more things that give me the same feel, yeah, all right, I'll give it a shot. So I think overall, I, I think we talked about this conference. I think it was not a weak conference. I think it was overall actually pretty strong, but I I wasn't bored or disappointed, but I didn't feel blown away by a lot of what we saw either. And I think the main failure was that I don't feel like they proved the, necess- the necessity of Xbox One X, um, which for Xbox as a brand is a problem in my mind. I agree. So my final thought is, uh, I I like what I saw game wise, but I don't have this console, and I'm not going to because they didn't show me any reason why I should. And so for that reason, for me as an individual, it's a wash. Objectively speaking, I think the console or the um, conference was fine. They showed off a lot of interesting games, but um, you know, Xbox One X just didn't do it for me. They didn't do their job. Do do you think you'll play some of these games on PC though? Uh, I I like to play very specific kinds of games on PC. So mm. the Heroes of the Storm, Warcraft, that kind of stuff. Typically, the games you're only going to see on PC are the ones that I'll play. Yeah. And so if I can't play them on a console, I probably won't play them at all. I am that way too sometimes. So I I wonder how some of these games are going to fare with me as well. 
But um, yeah, I, I think that's a totally fair assessment, man. I, uh, I think a lot of people are probably in that boat with you. I basically just go through all the games and chop out all the ones that are Xbox exclusive and then say, okay, let me look at the PC games. And that's, that's the thing, man. None, you know? Literally none of these games are console exclusive. Not one right, of yeah. them is... Like some of the well, okay. some are they're console, nothing... console exclusive is that you can't get them on PS4. Right, but every one of them's on PC. Yes, and that's so. what I mean. Like I, I just go through the list and I chop them out and I say, well, like as the Xbox side of it, I don't care. I look at it as more like a PC kind of thing for me. Yeah, dude, um, I legitimately look at this know. as like a PC conference at this point. Yeah, it's what I've been doing for the last uh, like three of them, I, including this one now, the third year in a row. Yep. And and I think the thing that I was excited about was the Xbox One uh x x um and like you guys and we've all said a couple times already i didn't get floored by that really and i think that was a disappointment and now i'm like man like it's it is kind of a wash you know the games looked cool there's some really cool things um but the console should have been what really brought me back to that market like as a developer i'm not like oh microsoft hell yeah right now um because the console is what they have and that's like your, your face you know like the playstation can have the best games ever if no one liked what it was they wouldn't sell you know um absolutely you know and uh it's just it just came down to that like i didn't i don't think the they did their job then you know they're making games but i don't think they did their job at the e3 agreed um so originally uh when we discussed this we said we were gonna do the entire e3 sweep but we're coming in at about an hour and a half two hours on this guy already so i we have decided that we're gonna cut here and uh, we'll release this day one. Tomorrow, we'll cover Sony, uh, Ubisoft, and Nintendo. So uh, if you guys want to hear the rest of our thoughts on the E3 show, you can get a recap, whatever that is, come back in tomorrow, and we'll have the rest of our thoughts there. Uh, if you – just to get through the rigmarole, rigmarole real quick, uh, if you guys want to connect with us, you can follow at the Comics Pals on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Uh, you can send us an email at thecomicspals at gmail.com where you can have your random question of the week read, comment on any of the news stories, tell us your thoughts on E3, and we'll read them on the air. And uh, if you want to connect with any of us individually, our individual Twitters are all in the um, description down below with links to all the news stories that we usually discuss. Uh, and on that, that is going to wrap up this very, very E3 special of the Video Game Pals. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Bye.